I would say this, that where do you start? If you felt anything in here is start with this idea of go first yourself. You be the first to show the respect that you would love to see. You be the first to demonstrate the kind of authenticity and openness and even vulnerability that you would like to see from others, including your boss or your community. You model it. You go first. Be the first to give that trust. Be the first to, yes, take that risk. Somebody needs to go first. Leaders go first. We can all lead. Leadership is a choice, not a position. Your, your model of fluid leadership is filled with the roles. This is something that we shift and share so we can all lead. And the best way to know to lead is to go first. Some people who are charismatic, but who are not inspiring. And I know others who no one would describe as charismatic, but who are extraordinarily inspiring because of who they are, how they lead, how they connect, how they create a sense of purpose, meaning and contribution, how they create a sense of caring, and of love and of concern or of identity and of belonging. You know, they can inspire. So firing others is actually a learnable skill. Everyone can inspire. That's the paradigm shift. It's not just for the charismatic. It's a learnable skill. We can all learn to inspire. And it is a stewardship that we have because, again, it's what people want. They want a leader who inspires. Welcome to Elements of Community, a podcast about discovering and exploring the elements of community. I am Lucas Root. And each week, we talk with a community leader about what makes their community thrive and bring value to both the leaders and the members. Join me as we unpack the magic of the elements of community. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the show. Everybody who doesn't know, you need to know Stephen M. R. Covey, and I'm going to hold up the two books that we're going to have some time talking about. And for those of you who are audio only, I'm holding in my right hand, The Speed of Trust, and I'm holding in my left hand, his latest book, Trust and Inspire. And these are going to be core and central to the conversation that we're having. Um, Here's why I'm excited about this. The speed of trust is it's a concept that I think everybody in the world needs to hear and needs to understand and needs to let it settle in. Here's why. You all have heard me talk about the power of community and Stephen's going to jump in and have some things to say about this. The power of community only works. It only works when we have people around us who trust us and love us. It only works that way. If we don't have trust inside community, it's not powerful. You lose the power. It goes away. We disconnect from the community. And your book, Stephen, The Speed of Trust, brings out the elements, because I do like elements, the elements that make it possible for trust to happen. And we'll jump into trust and inspire in a second. But would you like to add to Speed of Trust a little? Well, thank you, Lucas. First of all, I'm excited had this chance to be with you and with your community and had this conversation. So thank you. Me too. And yes, in a very real sense, the speed of trust kind of 
gives is a foundational element of what makes our world go round, what makes communities work, what makes relationships work, and that's trust. Because to your point, if you could, if you take, you know, people could be aligned in their interests and the like, and have a common objective and purpose, and even a common language, but. If you take away trust, everything slows down or grinds to a halt or just doesn't work very well. Yeah. And so trust in a very um, concrete way is like the currency that makes this work. And I love how you said it. It's what gives the community power and it multiplies, it accelerates it. And I like to say that it energizes it and it yeah. creates energy and joy as well because it not only makes it more efficient and more creative, but it makes it more enjoyable and mm-hmm. greater well-being, happiness, fun. And so I think trust is truly the one thing that changes everything. And that kind of was the purpose of the speed of trust was to give people a common language, a common framework, a common process of how we can build trust with each other and in relationships, on teams, in organizations, and by the way, in ourselves as well. Yeah. In order to do everything else, we're trying to do better. Beautiful. So there, everybody's on this. We've talked about it. My audience certainly is very familiar with this. There are six elements of community. And I actually have an order to them. And they are common language. And you just brought up common language, and that was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> common purpose. The projects that we do together. It's amazing that like the projects that we do actually bring us together as a community. So language, purpose, projects, value, the value that you contribute to the community and the value that you receive from the community, the social contract, which is the fifth and last is what I call common heart. And for the purposes of this conversation, it is actually trust. I often talk about the Greek word philotimo um, when I'm talking about this sixth element, the common heart. And when you, it's a challenging word to translate from Greek to English because we don't have concepts that describe this, which is unfortunate. As you said, we don't have a common language for this. And because we don't have a common language for it, we have a hard time thinking about it. We have a hard time talking about it. We have a hard time building that into our lives, this philotemo common heart, trust. It's the thing that makes it all work. It gives it the power. If community is a body, Philotimo, trust is the blood of the body. I like that. Yeah, it's what brings life to it. Yeah. And and vitality, but also power and strength. So I love that. And I love in those six elements, the idea that common heart is another way of expressing or capturing trust because there's the common is the idea of mutual benefit. And we're on this together. We're in this together. And I care about your interests just like you care about mine and our hearts and heart is speaking to our inner core and being aligned this way. Common heart, Philotimo. I'm not, familiar with that Greek word, but I do appreciate going back to the etymology of words. Mm. And that makes a beautiful sense. And and sometimes it doesn't 
translate and you go back to the original and, and then there's great power in that. So Philotimo, trust. This is the, the blood that makes a body work, that circulates. So that's beautiful. It is. I'm loving it. And I'm loving being able to bring the conversation around from just this sort of amorphous thing that I knew really mattered a lot and some other languages have it and we don't. But what you've done is a thing that I love. You've taken a concept that's really important and you've built a framework around it. Yep. And you've given us a formula for it. And it's a formula that I can understand and I can talk about easily and simply and share every single time I talk about Philotimo and Common Heart from now on. So I'm going to lay it out, but obviously you are the expert. The formula you have is it's three parts. And the first part is in order to determine trust, there are five behaviors that make it possible. And these are credibility, competence, reliability, integrity, and intentions. And boy, I love a good formula. Just like my six elements of community, like now we can talk about it. We have a framework for it. It can sit in my brain and start to affect the way that I interact with everything from here forward. Now you've given me a formula for common heart, trust. Mm. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I, cause I find exactly to your point, Lucas, that when I tell people I'm going to be talking about trust, people kind of, they know the idea, they know the concept. They certainly know what it's like to have trust and especially what it's like to not have trust. But they often don't know how to get their arms around it. It feels amorphous to them. And it yeah. feels like a you know, conceptual idea that they know is important, but how do I do something about it? How do I impact it? And so oftentimes it's kind of seen, hey, you either have it or you don't. It's mm. either there or it's not. And that's not accurate. That might be a starting place. But once you understand what trust is, the nature of it, the components behind it, then suddenly, if you give people a way of framing it, a common framework, so they can think about it in a common way, a language, a common language, so they can talk about it in a common way, and then a process, a you know, a behavioral process, so they can actually behave their way into it. And you can actually move the needle on trust. And, and that's exactly it. And so the idea that trust flows out of our credibility mm -hmm. and our behavior. And th those are things that we can do something about. Credibility. And I use that credibility tree in the four cores of credibility. That's the framework. It's a language. It's a process. Integrity and intent. They flow out of our character. And then capabilities and results flood of our competence. Mm. And suddenly I'm, I'm taking this character and competence construct. And I'm even going another level down with it so that I can really get practical and actionable. And that helps me as a person because, you know, it's one thing, let's say if someone says, hey, I don't trust this person. It's one thing if they're focusing on this person's not honest. It's a completely different thing if they're focusing on, I don't trust this person because they don't deliver. They don't perform. Yeah. They don't come through. Those are different issues. 
Or this person is self-serving, so their intent is not aligned. It's self-serving mm-hmm. instead of mutual benefit. That's a different issue than this person is now no longer relevant or current in their skills, their profession. These are all different issues. And suddenly you have, you can pinpoint this because you have a framework and you have a language to know how to describe it in a way that people can do something about. That's what I find has really maybe been the best contribution that Speed of Trust has made is it's taken an amorphous intangible idea that everyone knows is important, trust, and made it practical, tangible, actionable for each of us as individuals or as leaders to say, I understand what trust is and therefore how I can build it and grow it. Yes. You're a man after my own heart, <laughs> or I mean, you got there first, so I'm a man after your heart. <laughs> well, and vice versa, we've got a common heart here, so. We do have a common that. heart here. Now, I'm going to sort of open up the stage to Trust and Inspire, because this is, you've taken this and you've taken it a step further in a similar way as I have. So my audience is familiar with what I call the adult framework. Many people, you say, what is an adult? And they're stumped by the question, I don't know what an adult is. Similarly, ask somebody, what is the drinking age? And and the irony is most people will tell you 21, but it's not actually. There is no drinking age because we don't know what an adult is. 21 is when you're allowed to buy alcohol. Hmm. Interesting question. So I've taken this idea of an adult and I've redefined it. Because we have a concept for adult. It's a biological thing. We know the difference between an adult and a not adult in every animal. And in most cases, we know how to define that. But in humans, we don't. So my definition for an adult is, and my audience is familiar, and it's going to open up Trust and Inspire. My definition for an adult is that there are five skills that we humans need to demonstrate mastery in to our And the sixth element of being an adult is to our community to receive approval from the community that we are adults. And those five skills are complex communication, fluid leadership, teamwork, strategy, and coaching. Um, And we're not going to spend time on all five of them. Fluid leadership is really where I want to draw our spotlight to. Is what you've done in Trust and Inspire is you've laid out a concept one step beyond the speed of trust. You've laid out a concept of how we can be better leaders. And your concept of Trust and Inspire is very much in alignment with the fluid leadership I have in being a human adult. Why fluid leadership? We've talked about this because as a human, when we're out hunting in a hunting party, we know for absolute certainty, this is the base model for humanity. We know for absolute certainty that we cannot always see the prey from one position in the party. And so everybody must be able to be the leader. And as a team, we must accept that anybody will be the leader at any given time. So we take that a step back and modernize it a little bit. What we realize is that leadership is itself very expensive. It's a heavy burden to carry. And we're not designed as an animal to carry that burden all the time. Why? Because we know that we can't see the prey all the time and we need to trust our team to be able to help us continue moving forward. In a static leadership model, only one person has the leadership all the time and it's exhausting. 
and it leaves them in a bad mood and it forces them into making decisions that they themselves end up regretting. <laughs> but in a fluid leadership model, I might be in leadership for a moment and then I might pass the leadership back to the community, not necessarily even to one person, just back to the community to allow the community to self-select the next leader, whoever it is that can see the prey, who can see the objective for us to take that next step forward. And your trust and inspire model walks that same path in a really beautiful way where you talk about how a static leadership model, and you don't use these words, this is just my words mm -hmm. and, and my audience's words, right? You talk about how a static leadership model is expensive. It's expensive to the leader and it's expensive to the community. They, you know, one of your stories right at the beginning of the book is where you talk about how you're consulting at an organization and they're sitting there talking about how the, the owner of the organization has a, a firm grip on everything that happens inside the, the company. And then finally, somebody says, but he could just pass it to his son. And you have this conversation about passing leadership to his son. And then a little bit further down the line, you realize the son's been there for 40 years and the dad still isn't ready to pass off leadership. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, doesn't that sound like classic static leadership to me. And I love that. <laughs> That's beautiful, Lucas. I love your framing of this and this idea of fluid leadership in contrast to static leaderships. I've always believed that we learn best by contrast. And so, you know, what makes fluid leadership become more real is in, especially as you contrast it to what we're typically seeing, and still the majority of organizations today are operating in the old model. They're Your stuck in it. Leadership, you know, it's, it's, it's traditional and it's hierarchical. It tends yeah. to be top down, position based, you mm -hmm. know, and I like to say leadership is a choice, not a position. And, you know, like in the it. trust and inspire model, but in the command, yeah. you know, I call this. What you're calling static leadership, I'm calling command and control mm -hmm. and kind of more the traditional model of how we've efficiently tried to run our organizations and lead it is through a command and control model. Now, what's happened over the years is we've become more aware that there's people, it's not just, you know, things and machines so it's, we bring things to it like emotional intelligence and strengths and even mission and trustworthiness, good things, and it becomes better. But we haven't really shifted the paradigm. Yeah. How we view people, how we view leadership. So in my words, it becomes an enlightened command and control. <laughs> a better mm. version of it, but still a static model. It's still more it. than a traditional model. And whereas by contrast... Trust and inspire is like a sea change. It's crossing a chasm mm. that is different in, not in degree, but different in kind. Yeah. And, you know, you're calling it fluid leadership in contrast to static leadership where it ebbs and flows and it's not position based, but it's influence based and mm -hmm. contribution based. Mm -hmm. And I'm calling it trust and inspire to say this is the kind of leadership that people respond to that works better, that also builds people. And yeah. you're highlighting also that shares the load, the expense, and, and enables communities to do better because of that. You know, like the flock of geese that flies together, 
and in a V formation, and they benefit from the draft that's created. And but that the the lead geese in the front of the V will drop back, and someone else will take that front, right? It's yeah, they fluid. cycle out. It's they cycle out, and and so that's again, leadership is a choice. Not a position. And and yeah. so that's my contrast is to be relevant today, to really bring out the best in people and in teams and organizations, in communities, that the way that we're leading matters. Mm-hmm. And to try to lead in a static leadership model, in a command and control model in our world today is just not very effective. It's not going to attract the best people and keep them. It's not going to inspire them and it's not going to enable the kind of collaboration and innovation that we need to stay relevant. You can't command and control your way to collaboration and innovation. You can't command and control your way to a high trust culture that inspires. So we need a new way to lead. I'm calling it trust and inspire. You're calling it fluid leadership. And I think that this idea of trust and inspire is trying to say this is trying to give a name to it, a common language. (laughs) And so many of those, you know, six elements of community, it's trying to say there's a better way of doing this that, that where everyone wins better, it's better for everyone and for the entire community and for the purpose and that we're all about. And it's far more relevant in our world today to create the kind of culture we're desiring that's going to be a magnet to, to, to attract talent, not just to attract it, but to retain it, to engage it and to inspire it so that we mm. have the best people. And I think equally important is to bring out the best in people, but then also so that we can be collaborative and innovative in a way with trust that you just will never achieve with command and control or static. So I think this is where leadership is going the irony is we kind of conceptually understand this and been talking about it in different constructs. Like you've yep. had your, you know, from static to fluid, I'm saying command and control, trust, inspire. But the reality is about nine out of 10 organizations are still led in the old model in the command and control model, yeah. static model. And for, so I like, you know, for all our progress, we still haven't shifted the paradigm. And there's an expression, to know and not to do is not to know. Oof. So we kind of know we need to be here, but we're not doing it yet enough. And that's not to know. So that's, you know, we need to shift the paradigm. And it's hard because old paradigms can live on indefinitely. (laughs) <laughs> the old way of doing it and we're good at it and it's what we know it's what we've been raised in and maybe I you know I know the command and control model of leadership that's worked for me and the idea that I change how I lead change my style it feels like you're maybe that's could be attacking who I am but it's not it's saying mm. no it's honoring you that you're not a program you're a programmer you can write a new program. You can rescript into a trust-inspired leader and be far more, not just relevant, but we will also achieve better results, but have a greater, better community, greater well-being, Mm -hmm. greater joy, greater energy. So it's, I think, 
the kind of leadership that's needed today. And the thing about leadership done well is that it's, it's the enabling art that makes every other art even better. Leadership done well is the enabling art. Yes. Ooh, that enables is amazing. Us to do everything else we're trying to do better. Yeah. I see it. I love it. If you take nothing else from this conversation, take that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wonderful. Now, together, the two books actually create an additional, like, an additional complexity. So when you put them together, and I think that was your intent, and I, and I love that. Your intent was to, to actually put them together, that they're, that they're an additive rather than separate conceptual framework. So together, by moving out of static leadership and into the trust and inspire model, it's not just an enabling art, but rather think about it from the hunting party again. It's my favorite because it's so core humanity. Think about that hunting party. If every single time we lost track of the prey, we had to come together and have a conversation about how we move forward. We might even succeed. Let's pretend that's still a path forward to success. Now you've taken a hunt that's going to take four hours and turned it into a hunt that takes 12. Even if you succeed, that's the cost. I mean, that's how you quantify the cost right there of, strat of static leadership. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> it takes longer, it costs more, and it drains people as, as opposed to energizes them. Yep. Because there's not trust. <laughs> so it's you're commanding and controlling versus trusting and inspiring. And Amazing. you might ultimately get to the outcome, but it's usually a compromised result. But even if it's not compromised, like you say, there's a cost to it. It took longer, it costs more. And that cost could be in the form of energy, of joy, as well as money and resources and time and lost opportunity, all kinds of possibilities. I'm, and I don't know about you, all but part of the ethos of trust. If I'm doing something that costs me joy, I'm going to charge money. So, it's, I mean, from the organization's perspective, it's both. If the result of your leadership model inside your organization costs me joy, I'm going to charge you more money. Absolutely. I saw this happen. I'll just make a long story short on this one where this person, this contractor, they would do construction jobs, was bidding on something and would mostly work in private industry. They had to do one in a government setting where, you know, because of the fear of in a government setting of someone ripping somebody else off, they have so many rules and regulations. Mm. That to make sure that they're not ripped off. You know, the old story of, you know, you have a hammer that costs $500 or a toilet, you know, something that, yeah. that to make sure there's no fraud. But he, this person just said it was so expensive to work with this public entity than in these private entities that he had to charge him for it because it took him longer. It cost him more. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want to do that. He didn't have to do that. And so he priced his services differently if he was going to do that because of the cost. And the irony is that, you know, is that it was the lack of trust that caused the increased cost 
which actually defeated the whole purpose of what they were trying to do in the first place to make sure they got the best bid. <laughs> they got the lowest price possible. So this really can become a vicious downward cycle Yeah, when the trust is low and, the, and what it does to, to cost and to the, you know, our distrust is very expensive. That's a great example. And I love it. On the other hand, you've taken this idea of fluid leadership and you've leveled it up in a really beautiful way. So, and with intent, I don't talk about inspiration at all because I think of inspiration as a thing that we move into in community, which is great, but I don't think of it as core to success. I don't think of it as core to our ability to, to hunt. We can do a fluid leadership model that's really effective inside of our, again, the base human model of a hunt and end up at the end of that hunt, satisfied, successful, maybe even joyful. And inspiration is unnecessary for that. But we don't live in a world today where the base model is enough. <laughs> at least I don't. I want more than just enough. So I've defined this fluid leadership model to allow us to step into an understanding of what it looks like to be a base human, but we're not limited by just base humanity. We can have more. And Trust and Inspire invites me into more. You want to talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I think this is one of the key additive dimensions of what Trust and Inspire brings to a construct like static to fluid leadership, it's command and control to Trust Inspire is similar to that, but Trust Inspire is adding one more key piece, and that is this new addition you're describing. So let me say, set the stage is command and control works on the premise of motivation. That's external. It's mm -hmm. extrinsic. It's outside of the person. So it's heavy rewards, you know, carrot and stick rewards more carrots, more, you know, or more sticks, which is fear-based. I'll punish you or more carrots. I'll reward you. Do rewards Either way, work? expensive. Either way, expensive and either mm -hmm. way, limited on how yeah. much you can really achieve. You know, do rewards work? Sure. They motivate people to want to get more rewards, but you got to mm -hmm. constantly provide more external stimuli, more carrots, or more sticks, and you talk about expensive, to keep moving people that way. So that's the external, extrinsic approach. By contrast, trust and inspire, rather than motivation, it relies upon and is based upon inspiration, which mm -hmm. is internal. It's intrinsic, it's inside of people. It's lighting the fire within. That fire once lit can burn on for months if not years, without the need for constant external stimuli, which is so expensive. But also that fire once lit can help light other fires and can become expansive. And inspire comes from the Latin word inspirare, which means mm -hmm. to breathe life into. Mm. So you mm. breathe life into relationships, into teams, into cultures, into communities. Trust, you know, command and control tends to suck the life out of versus breathing life into, which is trust and inspire. So inspiration 
takes, it goes much beyond motivation. You can tap into what's possible at a different and kind level. And, and there's data. I'll just try like two sources of data that's quite interesting. There's data wait, wait, from- wait. I, I just had an idea. Please. This is, you just inspired an idea. <laughs> Let's run with it. it. It sounds to me like command and control, static leadership is extractive. While fluid leadership steps away from being extractive, it's not actually additive, it's neutral. Trust and inspire, what we're talking about here, inspiration, inspirare, breathing life into, it's actually additive. It's the step beyond fluid leadership. Very cool. When we are feeling like there are limited resources, we move it, we tend to, and this may be cultural, not base human, but we tend to move more towards a command and control model. But because it's extractive, we're going to run out faster. Whereas a trust and inspire model is additive. So we're actually going to run out slower. We're going to run out of those even if it's a limited resources model, we're going to run out slower. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. It's operating us on the premise of abundance yeah. and scarcity. Well, and it's creating abundance. It's creating abundance. It's not just it's not stepping just into existing it. abundance. It's creative. And I would say it's additive, but not in a linear way, in potentially a, a geometric way, Ooh. an exponential way. Oh, not just linear. So it's different math. It's it's literally, it's a, a creative multiplier, force multiplier, if you will, it's and creates more abundance. It is it ironic, isn't it? It is. And so I think that's beautiful. That, that's exactly it. This is, you know, you can be extractive. You can be neutral, which is you eliminate the extraction. You're mm -hmm. not getting the tax anymore. What if you could truly multiply? And what if you could do it exponentially? Oh, that oh. could be powerful. No, seriously, I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's what's possible with a trust and inspire approach. When when people have life breathed into them, they can also, it not only brings out the best in them, they are enabled then to breathe life into others. Mm. But, you know, if your own light if your own candle is burnt out, you're not inspired. Which happens to everyone. Happens to all of us at some point. When your own candle is burnt out, then it's hard to, how are you going to light another candle? Mm. We, you know, and so it's an inside out approach, but we want to go out. We want to be, that's part of why it's additive geometrically or exponentially is because we're moving out. Because it's always still about purpose and meaning and contribution, not just self-interest. It's really service above self-interest. Yeah. And ironically, in the process, self-interest gets served. But your mindset is, I'm seeking to bless, you know, not to impress. That's the mantra I use, yeah. Lucas, before any podcast, any speech presentation I do to make sure I get out of my own head and into the world of others of seeking to make a difference and contribution. I go on and I did it before today, before you and I had this conversation. I just remind myself of my intent, my purpose. And, and the best mantra for me, 
this is personal, is to make sure my motive is right. What am I trying to do on this podcast? Is my motive to try to look good, impress people? Or is my motive to try to serve, to bless? Mm. So the way I capture it is the mantra for me, seek to bless, mm. not to impress. And it helps me orient myself around who I am and what I'm about and to make sure that my goal here is to bless and to serve, to put service above self-interest. And it's all about, you know, creating more abundance and opportunities and possibilities and trying to model the kind of trust-inspired leadership that we need more of in our world and in yeah. our communities, in our homes, in our organizations, really at every level. So that's the idea. So yes, I love this idea of Trust Inspire being genuinely additive. And I suggest in an exponential way. Yeah. Let's go prove it. <laughs> let's go let's, prove let's it. Let's prove it out. Well, here's what the data shows. And this is more traditional quantitative data, which, which is, I think, a good starting point because mm -hmm. that's kind of the big roadblock for many I think the qualitative data is even better. So the quantitative mm. data shows this study from Bain that employees who are inspired are 50, excuse me, they're 125% more productive than merely satisfied employees. Now you might expect that because satisfaction is not a high bar. That's the minimum. Mm. So 125% more productive, but listen to this. They're even 56% more productive than fully engaged employees. And wow. we've been focused on engagement for 20 years. You know, kind of that's been the holy grail in organizations to have engagement in the workforce and nothing wrong with engagement. That's a good thing, but there's something beyond engagement. I believe that inspiration is the next frontier of engagement. Mm. Inspiration is the new engagement, if you will. It's going to a level beyond that there's greater productivity, which is kind of the metric that traditional business organizations look at. But I'm going to also say it creates far greater. This is where it gets into exponential energy and joy and well-being of people. So it's not just that they perform better, they're happier. Yeah. Their well-being goes up, their energy, their joy. And that enables us to tap into far greater purpose and far greater community, truly. Because I can, engagement is a good thing, but push to the extreme, it could be still, I'm a thing being used, you know, being, they're engaging me to get results out of me. Where Stress Inspire is, is there's always two ends. Yes, to get the result. We're always trying to get results, but we're trying to also grow people, unleash people, develop people, build trust, build community. Then the quality of those results are better. They're different in kind, not just degree. And so you get different in degree results, but then you get different in kind, I believe energy and joy and creativity and innovation and passion and commitment and fun even. So there's a huge power to that. So that's the one source or the one data point of what inspiration does. 
yes, greater results, but also greater well-being. I love it. Since we're doing quantitative, let's talk about that for a second. So I actually pay a lot of attention to productivity data. In the traditional eight-hour day, most people look at eight hours as eight hours of work, and that's not inappropriate. You should. Also, you need to take some breaks, go to the bathroom, get your coffee refilled, get your water refilled, and take a lunch break. The typical person has about six and a half hours of of reasonably productive time available to them. And I'm putting the emphasis intentionally, available to them. Now, you take those six and a half hours and you start breaking it into the ways that you as an organization want that time to be spent. Outside of a command and control static leadership model, what I want is six and a half hours of productive work. I want you to go do the thing that you're here to do and do it well and get six and a half hours of that done. Inside of a command and control model, let's be realistic about this. How many meetings am I having you take during the day? Meetings mm-hmm. to talk about progress, meetings to talk about next steps, meetings to talk about whatever it is that me and my little command and control model brain thinks that I need to be getting updates on from you. And each of those meetings has a cost in and of itself. So if it's a 30 minute meeting, it takes some time for the employee to get out of the work that they're in, to stop doing what they're doing and get into the meeting. Let's call it 10 minutes. And it takes another 10 minutes on the back end to do the same thing, get out of the meeting and into the work. So a 30 minute meeting actually has a 50 minute cost. And how many of those 30 minute meetings are we having every day? That six and a half hours disappears really, really fast when you're throwing around 50 minute commitments by the many, more than one. The average American, this is an actual number, before COVID hit, the average American was doing two hours and 13 minutes of productivity, of productive work a day. Two hours and 13 minutes out of an eight hour day. And that was considered an engaged employee. (laughs) Can you imagine two hours and 13 minutes? I need to take a deep breath and let the stress of that (laughs) go. It it literally is the cost of command and control right there. That's the cost of command and control. And it's ironic because the very thing they're trying to ensure they're destroying, you know, in their efforts to make sure they control it, they're taking eight hours and cutting it down to two hours and 13 minutes and getting less out of the people, which is an efficiency mindset. But the irony is they're hurting efficiency. (laughs) It's a huge cost. In the name of efficiency, it's a huge cost. That's why, again... Distress is so expensive. And, you know, and so by contrast, trust and inspire. And this is where the trust and inspire. You extend that trust and you empower people. You build the agreement together so that there's clear expectations around the trust being given. And there's an agreed upon process of accountability to that trust being given. So it's not a blind trust of just, hey, I just trust you, do whatever you want. That's not gonna work in our world. It's a smart trust, an intentional trust with clear expectations, with agreed upon accountability that you build together, not dictated because that's command and control. If I just dictate 
Here's the expectations and the accountability. You report to me. It's no, let's build this together. Mm-hmm. Build an agreement together around the trust being extended. Yes, we have expectations and accountability. You do that well. You build such an agreement. The person then can run with it themselves. They don't need to be micromanaged. The agreement governs. You've already built in control into the agreement you built together, not you having to hover over and micromanage them. So you don't have to have all those meetings because you've agreed upon how they'll report back when they've you do it together and the person, in a sense, can govern themselves. And with the agreed upon routine reporting back on yeah. updating how they're doing against the agreement, it just looks and feels different in kind than someone riding me, you know, hovering over me, micromanaging my every move. (laughs) And that not only drains productivity, but even worse, it drains energy and joy in profound ways. And we all hate to be micromanaged. We all love to be trusted. It's the worst. we respond far better. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Now you threw out some statistics and I'd like to invite us to level them up. Okay. So the the cost of command and control is six and a half hours down to two hours and 13 minutes. This is huge. Let's pretend for a second that we still need to have at least one meeting a day, but it's an inspirational meeting, but it's still going to take away from my productive capacity. So six and a half minutes minus 50, let's call that a full hour. Now we have five and a half hours of, of potential productive time left in the day. Now, at five and a half hours in a fluid leadership model, that's 100% more productive. Actually, it's about 125% more productive than a command and control model. But that's just fluid leadership. We haven't even talked about inspiration yet. Now, your inspiration suggested, and this gets me excited because I have the numbers and I can quantify it. That's the kind of guy I am. If I've got five and a half hours left and inspiration is going to make me 50% more productive, Now, managers, listen to this. I can get those five and a half hours worth of work done. But because I'm inspired, I'm going to work better. I'm going to work faster. I'm going to ask for help sooner. I'm going to have fewer roadblocks and I'm going to be better at overcoming them. I'm going to get the equivalent of 53% more work done, which is seven and a half hours worth of productive, engaged employee work done in my five and a half hours at work. That's more than 100% of the available time. That's more than six and a half hours. That is an actual additive model. It genuinely is. (laughs) And and the reason it's real is for all all the reasons you described of when someone feels both trusted, but also inspired by the work that they're doing, by the team that they're on, that by their leader and the leadership, the style, the way that they model this, they feel inspired with purpose and meaning and contribution. They are more creative. They are, so, you know, it's a linear concept to say that all hours are worked or used equally. They use them differently. They are not And they not get used. the equivalent of greater. So, you know, you're just using common yeah. math to say, you're suddenly, you're now at seven and a half hours of common math of what the productivity is because they took five hours and because they're so effective, so creative, so innovative, it's a creative innovation and collaboration is the equivalent of seven and a half 
on the same metrics. And that's the idea. That's genuine synergy where the whole is more than the sum of its parts because it's a greater whole. It's one plus one equaling three or more. Eleven. That's synergy. In my world, one plus one equals eleven. I love it. Yeah. It's it's, it's just the conceptual idea that it's more than the sum of its parts. Yes. Whereas compromise is one plus one equals one and a half. (laughs) You're still not even there. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're weighed down by all the things you got to deal with. And then many are into negative synergy, whereas one plus one equals 0.5. You know, they're not even getting out of it because the culture is toxic. And you're paying a tax, a low trust tax at every gate. And again, there is a high cost to low trust. And there's an extraordinary return to high trust. Now, here's the interesting thing, Lucas. We're just talking, we're talking here just the quantitative side. Yeah. So I always, that's one of the things I brought to the trust discussion is I quantify it. Not only mm-hmm. how to build trust, but also the impact of trust, you know, the, the high cost of low trust and the great return of high trust so that people say, wow, what a better way to run a business or an organization or a community, a team to be part of a community, to have trust, to power it up. So that's the quantitative. And as great as the quantitative is, the qualitative is even bigger. <laughs> what it does to the energy and the joy and the well-being, the commitment, the passion, the inspiration, and that's even higher. But the quantitative gets you in the game of, you're now playing the same game everyone else is playing and saying, what a better way to lead. And our people are so much happier. Yes. And by the way, here's on this quantitative or qualitative point, as well. So one other study, this is the one done by Zanger Folkman. They looked at their construct. They have these 16 competencies of a leader and that leaders demonstrate. And then they asked the people that reported in to leaders, as you look at these 16 competencies of leadership, which of these matters most to you? What's most important to you to see from your leader? Mm-hmm. And what came out as the number one competency that people wanted from their leaders more than any other was this, a leader who inspires. Mm. A leader who inspires me because of who they are and how they lead, their integrity, their humility, their courage, their authenticity, their vulnerability, their empathy as well as their modeling of performance. So a leader who models, that's what I want, a leader who inspires. And so part of this Trust Inspire book is to say, look, when we are in the role of a leader, we have stewardships that are implicit in that leadership. These are not rights, these are responsibilities. That's what a stewardship is, a responsibility. I like to call a stewardship a job with a trust. We have these mm-hmm. jobs with a trust we've been given when we're in the role of a leader, where we have stewardships. And the first is to model, to model the behavior. 
that we would like to see. So rather than say, we need to do this, we model this. If we say we need more openness, more transparency, then we become the model of the openness and transparency we'd like to see. We need to see more empathy. We model empathy. More respect. We model respect. We need to have more trust. We model the giving of trust. So we model. The second stewardship then we have is to trust, meaning to extend trust, to give trust. To not, if In the sense of modeling is being trustworthy, the second stewardship is being trusting. Mm-hmm. It's not to be merely trustworthy. We also need to be trusting as leaders. So we need to give that trust to extend the trust. That's a stewardship we have to bring out the best in people. And that's everything we've been talking about. Of we got to empower, we've got to have the shared leadership and, and empower and it's this fluid leadership. We trust people. But then the third stewardship now we have is to inspire those around us. And sometimes, Lucas, people have too often equated inspiration with charisma, you know, saying, hey, I'm just not, I'm not very charismatic, you know, with the idea that you got to be charismatic to inspire. No, they're different things. Yeah. I, I know some people who are charismatic, but who are not inspiring. And I know others who no one would describe as charismatic, but who are extraordinarily inspiring because of who they are, how they lead, how they connect, Mm -hmm. how they create a sense of purpose and meaning and contribution, how they create a sense of caring and of love and of concern or of identity and of belonging. You know, they can inspire. So, Inspiring others is actually a learnable skill. Ooh. Everyone can inspire. That's the paradigm shift. It's not just for the charismatic. It's a learnable skill. We can all learn to inspire. And it is a stewardship that we have. Because again, it's what people want. They want a leader who inspires. So that's where we go with this Trust and Inspire book is saying, you know, to your point, this is the additive piece, inspiration. And inspiring others is learnable. How do we inspire? We inspire when we model. We inspire when we trust. To be trusted is the most inspiring form of motivation. And we inspire when we connect with people through a sense of caring and belonging. And that's so much rooted in community. And when we connect to purpose and to meaning and to contribution, to mattering, to making a difference, to leaving a legacy, to, you know, we move from success to significance. That inspires, and we can do that. And so, this is learnable from success to significance. Oh, <laughs> damn! Yes, yes. That inspires. It, it's it's what people seek, and I think the reason, you know, to your point earlier, we need to go beyond neutral, because we're now operating in a world that is so divided, you know, almost the opposite of community, so divided and and so we have all the examples in a real-time world of distrust and, you know, that people are starting to wonder, can you trust anyone? So more than ever, we're living in a world of that's desperately low in trust and in some ways desperately low in inspiration. So we need Mm -hmm. to be intentional about it deliberate about it that this is the kind of leadership that people are seeking and wanting 
not again a charismatic leader, but a genuine trust inspire leader. That this is who they are. This is they model, they trust, they inspire, and they're going first. We seek that. We want that. And if we can get a, if we can become a model and show this kind of leadership, then people say, "Hey, you can still get." Look at what Lucas is doing. You know, getting results in a way that grows the people, grows the culture, grows the team. Look at their engagement scores and look at their results. Wow, that suddenly becomes a model of trust inspire works, and not j- just command and control. Where maybe I'm getting results, but look at the culture, it's lousy. Look at the everyone's leaving. Look at you know, look at the engagement. You know, all these measures are bad. So, but they're maybe performing, but at what price? At what cost? And again, can they sustain it? Yeah. But a trust inspire leader, if they can see, wow, here's someone that is performing, and they're growing capability, they're growing talent, then their ability to perform in the future has just gone up. If we can find models of saying, hey, you can do this, those models can become mentors, and we can begin to replicate, and then start to move into the exponential math that we talked about. But we need models and mentors, and that's the challenge. That's the invitation, I believe, for all of us in your community, is because the whole idea of community is believing these ideas of this broader concept that society is moving away from that you're trying to move toward back into. Yeah. Yeah. And fluid leadership is a way of conveying this, and I'm just adding one last little piece to it. Trust and inspire, adding the inspiration into it. But this is such a better way to lead. And if we can become this kind of model who can then become mentors to others, we will make that dent in the universe. And we'll start to elevate those around us and bless society. Beautiful. Stephen, thank you. Amazing. I'm going to hold them up one more time. Speed of trust and trust and inspire. Don't just get one. Get them both. Read them both. They are extraordinarily good reads. And the concepts that you outline and the way that you talk about them is powerful. And I really appreciate you coming on and, and giving me the opportunity to talk with you about it because this was great. Thanks so much, Lucas. I, I like to close out my interviews with three questions. Okay. Using your language... For those people who feel like you have truly brought blessings upon them, what is the one best way for them to reach out and give you thanks? Wonderful. Thank you. Follow me and connect with me probably best on LinkedIn, Stephen LinkedIn. M. R. Covey. I'm also on Twitter and, and Instagram, but LinkedIn is probably the best way to convey a message and follow me and you can you know communicate with me this way. And that's as a starting point. It's probably an easiest okay. thing. Also, you can go to both speedoftrust.com mm-hmm. and trustandinspire.com. Mm-hmm. We build a little bit of a community website type things in both as we're trying to grow these. And, and I love how you've noted that they're really integrated works. They just come at it from different angles and add different things with, in a sense, speed of trust being a foundational element and Trust Inspire being more the leadership dimension to it, the kind of leadership needed. So those, trustinspire.com, speedoftrust.com, and then me on social media. Follow awesome. Me. Thanks, Stephen M. R. Cuddy. Second question. 
Is there any one question that you wish I had asked you in this interview? My well, favorite curveball. Yeah, I love this one. Here's oftentimes when I've been asked this, I often will come back to what you made sure you asked, which is that the big new additive insight I believe I'm bringing here is this idea of inspiration. And you addressed that so well. You saw it. And, you know, just like you saw, hey, this is something that's additive to fluid leadership. And, and, and so you've already really addressed that. So I think you've done it beautifully. Maybe I would say this, that I think this will really resonate with your elements of community, community <laughs> that you have here. I've been saying that we've got to make sure that we shift the paradigm and not just be an enlightened form of command and control, but how we view people, how we view leadership is not shifted. It's still a thing paradigm versus a people paradigm. Mm-hmm. So maybe the question is, so Stephen, what is, describe the paradigm, the mindset of a trust and inspire leader. And then oh. I, I'll answer it for you. So is it, yes. that's, my, that's the one piece I feel like, I've, I think we've given some practical things on inspiring and trusting, but I want to talk with, almost go back into the mindset, the paradigm. So let me just, I'll briefly describe, and, I'll, and I won't be too talkative on this. I'll just give it in its, in its gist. Hey. I believe that there are five. Fun- okay. <laughs> I'm inspired. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I believe there are five fundamental beliefs of a trust inspired leader. This is a way that, a way of how they view people, how do they view leadership, a paradigm. Now, paradigm comes from the Greek paradigma, which means a mental map or model. So mm. the idea of a paradigm, a map, is to describe the territory, right? But uh-huh. you could have a bad map of the territory. I mean, look at early cartographers, you know, their version of the world is kind of accurate, but way off because be they were doing the best they could. But, you know, you look at it now and you say, oh, I I can kind of see what they were describing as the Americas, but it was an incomplete map. It it was an inaccurate map, but it was the best that they had. I think too many leaders today walk around with an inaccurate map of how they view people, how they view leadership. So I call that maybe it's a command and control, an authoritarian command and control map or enlightened command and control. But here's a more accurate a more complete map of people and of leadership, a trust inspire paradigm. There's five fundamental beliefs. First, I believe that people have greatness inside of them. Mm. So if I buy that belief, my job as a leader is to unleash their potential, not to control them. See, I see the greatness in people. It was Thoreau who said, it's not what we look at that matters. It's what we see. Do you see yeah. the potential, the greatness of people? It may be lying dormant. It may not be developed, but to see it. So leaders see potential in others. They communicate it so that others come to see it in themselves. They develop it and then they unleash it. Whereas a trust inspire manager maybe operates with the premise of some people have greatness. They're the high potentials, but everyone else you really got to control. And, you know, they have a limited not complete map of people. So again, I'm I'm giving too much explanation. Let me go a little faster. So I believe that people have greatness inside of them. So my job as a leader is to unleash their potential, not control them. Second, I believe that people 
our whole people, meaning body, heart, mind, spirit. It's a whole person. So my job as a leader, if they're whole people, is to inspire, not merely motivate. Now look, if people were only economic beings, just the body, then motivation would be sufficient. Yeah, just pay them. But they're not just a body, they're a heart. So they want to connect and to care and to belong. They have a mind, they want to grow and develop. They have a spirit, they want to contribute and to make a difference, to matter, to have significance. So inspiring is so much better than merely motivating. So how do I view people? Whole people with greatness inside of them. That's a more accurate map. Now, how do I view leadership? That moves to the next three beliefs. So third, number three, I believe there, that there is enough for everyone. Mm. It's an abundance mentality. So if I buy that belief, my job as a leader is to elevate caring above competing. Yes, we can compete in the marketplace, but let, let us care and collaborate in the workplace. We've already described this, how abundance is such a better mindset to have than a scarcity one. Fourth, I believe that leadership is stewardship. It's about responsibility, not rights. Influence, not position. So if I buy that belief, my job as a leader is to put service above self-interest. Yeah. I serve. Finally, number five, I believe that enduring influence is created from the inside out. So if I buy that belief, my job as a leader is to go first. Someone needs to go first. Leaders go first. You take these beliefs collectively and they comprise a, fun, a, a paradigm, a mindset, a more accurate map of people and of leadership. And I believe that's what a trust inspired leader starts with. It could, from that is now why I can trust people because I see greatness in them. From that is why I can inspire people because I believe they're a whole person. They want meaning and purpose and so forth. And But if our paradigm hasn't shifted, our behavior won't follow. So the best way I know to shift your behavior, shift your paradigm. And this is a more accurate paradigm of people in of leadership, trust and inspire paradigm. And as you read, I know you did such a great job in preparing for this interview and reading my works that's in there beautifully of this idea of that we start with the paradigm the mindset so that was the one area i was hoping we'd have some discussion but we had it with this beautiful question at the end i love it stephen mr covey everyone amazing do you have any parting words i would say this that where do you start if you felt anything in here is Start with this idea of go first yourself. You be the first to show the respect that you would love to see. You be the first to demonstrate the kind of authenticity and openness and even vulnerability that you would like to see from others, including your boss or your community. You model it, you go first, be the first to give that trust. Be the first to, yes, take that risk. Someone needs to go first, leaders go first. We can all lead. Leadership is a choice, not a position. Your, your model of fluid leadership is filled with the roles of this is something that we shift and share. So we can all lead 
and the best way know to lead is to go first. So I would say go first. And you know, if you think about, has there been someone to our listeners and to our viewers, has there been someone in your life who believed in you, who had confidence in you? Maybe they believed in you more than you believed in yourself. Maybe they had more confidence in you than you had. Someone who took a chance on you. And again, this mm. could be anyone in your life. Maybe for me, it was my father, but mm -hmm. it could be a, a family member, or it could be a friend, could be a parent, someone in the community, could be someone at work, a, a mentor, a boss, a coach, someone in your you know service life, community, and religious life, if you have that. So whatever it might be, but someone who believed in you, maybe more than you believed in yourself, someone who in effect trusted and inspired you. As you reflect upon such a person, and I'll bet most of us, if we think long enough, we'll find at least one and maybe many. What did that do to you? I ask our listeners and viewers, when you felt trusted and inspired by this person, how did you see yourself differently because of them? How did you make you feel? And how does that impact who you are today? And then I would ask, what if you could become that kind of person for another? Where you become a trust and inspire person, figure leader to another person in your life and you help them see their potential. You help them become who they can become, just like someone has done for you. So in a sense, that's my go first idea is just like someone has been a trust inspired figure person in your life and how that unleashed you. Now pay it forward and you become that for another in their life and unleash them. And if you can do it with one, you can do it with another and then another, but start with one. So that would be maybe my invitation to all of us is become a transition figure, a trust and inspire leader to another person you identify in your life who you would really like to unleash in a way that they haven't yet, but you can help be the catalyst. Wow. I'm inspired. Well, thank you. I'm inspired talking with you, Lucas. <laughs> thank you, Stephen. We appreciate you. Thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. And to all of our viewers and our listeners, thank you for being part of this. And I've loved the conversation. Yeah. Love your thinking. And also your, you know, this idea of static leadership, fluid leadership, command and control, trust, inspire with our addition to it. It's beautiful. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us this week on Elements of Community. Make sure to visit our website, elementsofcommunity.us, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.